Welcome to the podcast on Monday, January 13th. I'm Connor Green. We had the NFL Divisional Playoffs over the weekend, the Conference Championships now next week, and we had a great slate of games, one big upset, some crazy matchups, and I want to start with the Baltimore Ravens and the Tennessee Titans. Everyone's trying to figure out what exactly went wrong with the Ravens after going 14-2 and how they could lose to a Ryan Tannehill-led Tennessee Titan team who did virtually nothing through the air in that game. The Ravens had 500 yards of offense. How could they possibly lose that game? Well, when you talk about great athletes and great teams, oftentimes those athletes or teams have to overcome adversity on their way to success. So Tom Brady was taken in the sixth round, and I think the rest of his career, he will always have a chip on his shoulder that nobody believed in him, and that's why he's worked so hard. Even at the age of 42, he still competes at a ridiculously high level because he wants to prove to everybody that he belongs, and he's even said that in previous interviews. You look at Aaron Rodgers. He always seems to have a chip on his shoulder, and the reason is because he fell way later in the draft than a lot of people thought he would, and that he didn't think he should have been taken where he was. And I think the rest of his career, he's always going to have that chip on his shoulder because of it. Michael Jordan didn't make his varsity team as a freshman. A lot of people said that's one of the reasons why he was so competitive is he had that chip on his shoulder early in his life, and he carried it with him through his entire playing career. Now, when you look at the Ravens in 2019, they started the year at 2-2, two and two, and then won 12 straight games down the stretch. Not only did they win those 12 games, but they completely dominated in those 12 games. They did not trail in the second half of any of those games. Not a single time in that 12-game win streak did they ever trail in the second half. So going into the playoffs, they were not a team that had been faced with a ton of adversity early in the season. And then you go and you play Tennessee, and early on they get a ridiculous touchdown catch from Jonu Smith. You get an interception from Lamar Jackson... They go for it on fourth down, down seven to nothing. They don't convert. And then Ryan Tannehill throws a 54-yard touchdown. And right out of the gate, it's 14 to nothing. And where adversity fits in is the Ravens had not been in that position virtually all season long. And I think what happened was they were uncomfortable. You can tell they weren't really sticking with their offense, which was We just want to run the ball. They decided to throw it a lot more than they should have. They got out of their offense, and they got uncomfortable because Tennessee took a lead, and the Ravens simply were not used to that as a team. When you dominate like that thoroughly, game in and game out, and you put up 30-plus points virtually every single week, and then all of a sudden you're down 14 to nothing, and you're trailing by more points than you have in months... I think that starts to get a team a little bit worried. And even though John Harbaugh is an experienced head coach, 
I don't think the Ravens did what they did every single game up to that point and what led to their success. I think not facing any late-game situations really outside of the one against the 49ers really ended up hurting them in the end. They were almost too good for their own good by the end of the season. Because as you see, a lot of playoff teams, the Patriots are one of them a couple years ago when they played the Ravens, they went down 14-0 in the divisional rounds, then they went down 28-14 in that same game in 2014, and they fought back and they won. But the Patriots are a team that has experience. Tom Brady has been in those situations a ton of times over the course of his career, so they didn't panic. I think in this game, the Ravens, instead of sticking with what they do well, decided to throw the ball far more than they should have. Lamar Jackson, who is not the greatest passer, threw the ball 59 times in that loss. 59 times. By far the most times he's had to throw the ball in his career. They only ran the ball with their running backs nine times in comparison. Lamar Jackson had 20 carries. A lot of those were pass plays where he rolled back. Nothing was open, so he took off from the backfield. The Ravens panicked when they went down 14 to nothing. I think it took them out of their game plan, and as a result, they lost to the Titans. Now, a lot of people are talking about Lamar Jackson and saying that, you know, he is obviously someone that's not a pocket passer. And so everyone was right about him coming out of the draft. He's not somebody that can take you on a deep playoff run because he's not a typical NFL quarterback. And I personally think that's ridiculous. Lamar Jackson might have not had the best game against the Titans, but you went 14-2 and and led the NFL in scoring with Lamar Jackson. And yes, he's not the best pocket passer in the NFL. We all know that. He's not going to sit there in the pocket like a statue like Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or Peyton Manning and throw darts all over the field like some other quarterbacks. But I'll give you another guy who's not a typical pocket passer, and that's Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson does not stand back there and pat the ball and throw from the well and hit receivers. He likes to get out of the pocket. He likes to get into space. It's partially because he's not your typical NFL quarterback in terms of size. So he likes to roll out, get some open space. He doesn't want to throw from the well with a lot of guys around him where balls can get batted down at the line of scrimmage. He's not your typical pocket passer. But you saw Russell Wilson almost single-handedly win the game against the Packers yesterday. And he's not your typical quarterback in any way, shape, or form. So the idea that Lamar Jackson, because he's not a pocket passer, cannot have success is complete and utter nonsense. Now, he'll get better at throwing from the pocket as his career progresses, but he's never going to be that guy, and he doesn't need to be. You hear all these people talk about, well, we want to turn this mobile quarterback into more of a pocket passer. Well, why would you want to do that when you have somebody whose strength and what makes them dangerous is their ability to get out of the pocket and run the ball? When you have a dynamic threat like Lamar Jackson, 
What makes defenses have to respect his arm is the fact that they have to come up against the run. So when they come up against the run, then he can hit passes, maybe they're short passes, or somebody gets one-on-one coverage on the outside, and Lamar Jackson then puts up big passing numbers. You have to respect his arm because what he does with his legs. And so he'll never have problems as long as he's as athletic as he is. And everyone goes, well, what about when he gets into his 30s? Well, that's a long time away, and the Ravens have a lot of time to worry about that years from now. But the idea that because Lamar Jackson cannot sit in the pocket like Tom Brady and throw the ball quite as well as him from the pocket, that Lamar Jackson is not a legitimate NFL quarterback, I think is one of the more ridiculous narratives in the NFL. But I do think the Ravens panicked a little bit because they weren't used to being in the situation they were put in and got away from what their core game plan has been all season long. Now, the Texans game was yesterday afternoon as well, and to go up 24 to nothing and not only lose, but get blown out by the Texans by, or by the Chiefs by 20 points is a failure on the behalf of Bill O'Brien. And one of the things that worried me about the Texans going into that game is that they're not a team that runs the ball particularly well. And when you see the Chiefs struggle, it's generally against teams that run the ball well and control the clock and play great defensively. So the Texans get a 24-0 lead, but the problem is they don't have the ability to simply sit on the ball and run it like the Titans do. They still had to, if they wanted to convert or move the ball down the field, they had to rely on Deshaun Watson to make plays. Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson are not your good, typical NFL running backs, guys that are going to pick up four yards a carry where you can grind out a game. But Bill O'Brien failed in the fact that when you're up 21 to nothing, everything's going your way. The Chiefs have zero answer for you defensively. You have a fourth and inches in Kansas City territory, and you decide to kick a field goal when you can basically crush the Chiefs' hopes, what gave Kansas City momentum was the fact that, okay, well, it's not 28 to nothing. They only kicked a field goal. We at least held them once. Let's see if we can put something together. And then what gave them added momentum is after that, the Chiefs go and score a touchdown, and Bill O'Brien, for some bizarre reason that nobody understands, fakes a punt... They get stuffed, and now the Chiefs have all sorts of momentum and a chance to score another touchdown. And I think Houston was so confused by that move, it threw them off. I think players on the Texans were like, what are we, what? They had no idea what Bill O'Brien was doing. The Chiefs scored lightning quick once again, and the entire game turned around. I'm not saying Bill O'Brien is a terrible head coach. I am saying he's somebody that does not have a ton of playoff experience, And I think as a result, he made questionable and shaky decisions that a lot of coaches do in the playoffs. We always wonder why it is that head coaches have no idea about clock management come playoff time, or coaches make bizarre and strange play calls in big situations like Pete Carroll against the Patriots in the Super Bowl, throwing the ball from the one-yard line. 
I think it's because the stakes are so high and these guys have to make rapid, quick decisions that if you're not quite used to that situation or you get a little bit panicked, you don't think straight. Pete Carroll, 99 times out of 100, with the ball on the one-yard line and one minute left, will run with Marshawn Lynch every time. But when the clock is ticking in the Super Bowl on a big stage, he made the wrong decision. The Texans, in this situation, made two wrong decisions back-to-back, which changed the game entirely. And then after that, they had no answer for Kansas City. And it's possible, even if Bill O'Brien doesn't make those decisions, that the Chiefs go and win anyway because the Texans didn't do anything defensively. So that's possible. But making those decisions and giving the Chiefs momentum obviously helped them in their comeback. Now you have the Seahawks and Packers. I thought that the Packers were a team that had not played premier competition this season. They had a bit of an easy schedule. Aaron Rodgers really hadn't put up big numbers all season long. I thought Seattle would go into Green Bay and upset the Packers. And I think the the Seahawks would have won that game if not for the fact that they had their top two running backs out. And that was the big worry coming into the playoffs is the fact that Chris Carson and Rashad Penny both went down in Week 16. And you were left with Marshawn Lynch, who's 33 years old, obviously past his prime, and Travis Homer, who is not going to run you to a Super Bowl. And the Seahawks are a run-first offense. As good as Russell Wilson is, the Seahawks are a team that likes to run the ball to establish play action. The fact that they didn't have that in the playoffs hurt them greatly. Because week one, you get a matchup against the Eagles, and you get a little bit of a break against Carson Wentz. But then when you play the Packers, you have to have the ability to at least run it somewhat well. And they couldn't because they just didn't have the dogs in the backfield to get it done. Russell Wilson, in the end, was the team's leading rusher scrambling out of the pocket with 64 yards. Russell Wilson was also the only reason they were in that game at all. The Packers would have run away with that game if not for Russell Wilson making unbelievable plays at the end of the third and fourth quarter. But in the end, Seattle simply could not play to their game plan because of the fact that they lost Chris Carson and Rashad Penny in the regular season. And the Packers and Matt LaFleur get a big matchup next week. They did everything right against the Seahawks. Aaron Rodgers played, I think, his best game of the season. But now they're going to have to play as a team their best game of the season because the 49ers exposed Green Bay earlier this year. And then the last game of the weekend was that 49ers-Vikings game. The 49ers defensively are spectacular. And the fact that Robert Sala didn't get hired as a head coach, to me, is crazy when you look at the turnaround from their defense last year into this year. This game, you could tell from the get-go, was lopsided. The 49ers had everything going their way. The Vikings could not block a single thing up front. Once they took away Dalvin Cook, which is the Vikings' entire plan of attack out of the backfield, 
Minnesota had no answer for the 49ers defensively. And we talk about all day long how quarterbacks win playoff games and how you have to have that elite quarterback to win in the postseason. Jimmy Garoppolo was 11 for 19 with 131 yards and one touchdown and one interception. Jimmy Garoppolo was not the reason that the 49ers beat the Vikings. Ryan Tannehill was not the reason that the Titans beat the Ravens. He threw for under 100 yards for the second straight week. The reason both those teams won is their ability to run the ball and how they get pressure up front. The 49ers ran it 47 times in that win. Jimmy Garoppolo, really, all he had to do was turn around and give the ball to either Tevin Coleman, Raheem Mostert, or Matt Breida and watch them run. If you have a head coach that knows what he's doing, you don't necessarily need elite quarterback play to win games. And the 49ers are an example of that. Jimmy Garoppolo is a good player, and one day he might be that elite quarterback. But they go 13-3. and They dominate this season with a guy who really hasn't had to make a ton of big plays all season long. The Niners, like the Titans, like the Ravens before this game, were good because they run the ball well and they're great defensively. Well, that wraps up the podcast here for Monday, January 13th. Again, I'm Connor Green. I'll be back later in the week to preview the AFC and NFC championship matchups between the Niners and the Green Bay Packers and the Chiefs and the Tennessee Titans.